Welcome to the Outtakes, the official podcast of National Student Pride, the podcast where we go behind the scenes of some, some amazing queer people doing some amazing stuff within the community to help improve the lives of queer people everywhere. Queer, queer, queer is just a lot of, a lot of queer. But um, I'm joined today with Max Holy. Thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast, Max. Thank you very much for having me. First little icebreaker. Mm. What's sort of your main pop girl? What's the sort of situation there? Oh, God. If you had to pick one. Aaron Grande. Really? Yeah. Are you an Aaron Grande gay? I'm obsessed. Okay. I'm a bit of an Aaron Grande gay, it's got to be said. Like, But it's sort of like, I don't know, I feel like people look down their nose a bit when you say you like Aaron Grande. I think it's because like it's just so like so effortless. Like The music <laughs> is just so like perfect and easy to listen to. I feel like some people like to go with other artists because like it's not as popular. You know when people choose things not to be popular? I think like, Aaron Grande, perfect like, mid-tempo, just all the time. I think she's got such a set, amazing brand and vibe. And I think people look down as well because she's managed to sort of be that pop princess, like, again. Like, we had Britney as, like, a pop princess perfect. And I think Aaron Grande is, like, the next pop princess. But she does it so well. She does the really, like, nice pop music, but also, like... Her music is all about sex. Like, when you yeah. listen to the lyrics... It is horny. It is she's horny. a horny girl. She is a horny girl. And you listen to those lyrics and it's like, oh, my God. But then you do, like, have people just, like, bopping along. It's really funny when you think what the lyrics actually are. And also, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I think I'm a Beyonce gay. I'm so I've never been someone. I've never been. I have. I got it. I did it. I did it, everyone. I didn't have the energy. I couldn't. There is no it was energy. like the Hunger Games. It was war out there. I didn't want. No, I actually I queued once and it was <laughs> like, oh, you've got 10 minutes, there's 8,000 people in front of you. I was like, that's good. That should work. And they got to the front of the queue and they were like, you're in. They're sold out. And I was like, oh. Or was it the O2 pre sale? Uh, I think it was Tottenham. Okay. I think I wasn't really paying attention. This is why I don't have tickets. I didn't take it that serious. I'm I'm a fan and I'm obsessed and I'm a little bit upset that I'm not going, but I'm not like die hard. I just didn't want to deal with the FOMO. I couldn't deal with the FOMO. I didn't think about that. Great. May is gonna be a very sad month for me. You may be able to source something. I think I'm kind of relying on the fact that I know there will be someone somewhere who is gonna have to resell their ticket. There'll be someone who something tragic happens to someone and then like, a little ticket like ends up in your hands. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully something happens that will allow me to get to yeah. it. I have followed your TikTok uh, every now and then when it comes up on my for you page and I've noticed you've done some really incredible stuff talking about mental health, body positivity. And I guess sort of what was the main motivating factor for doing that and is do you still see, have you seen a, a massive positive impact in terms of just your sort of core circle or like sort of online community you sort of create around yourself, if that makes sense? It's been a, it's been a journey for yeah. sure. Um, and I think a lot of the work that I do, I, I was on a podcast recently actually and I, I basically said that like my content is my therapy. Mm-hmm. So I like to, everything I create, I take from my own experiences and I kind of flip it in a way that can then be beneficial to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I have a really unhealthy relationship with social media. Like social media is really bad for my brain, which is perfect considering I have to be on it all day. Every now, day. It's monetized. <laughs> now that it's monetized <laughs> and I cannot get out, I am stuck. But no, I'm very grateful for my job. Um, but it's been, it's been like amazing to see the responses. Um, like nothing makes me smile more than when someone comments on something and it's like, like I really needed to see this today or that that's really helped me or um, just knowing that like anything I create has maybe just made someone feel a little bit better about themselves like makes the whole thing so like, really worth it. Because also like did initially did you when you first downloaded TikTok and started creating content was that type of content you created or was that sort of you waited you found your niche and you find something that really spoke to you? 
and then that's when you start to see like really love doing what you do it. So when I first downloaded TikTok, I was a very different person. <laughs> I was a like six pack face tuned instigate. Six pack face tuned instigate. Yeah, that was my official character. Another drag name, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like this, everything I put on social media was all for validation. It was all pure yeah. because I wanted the likes. And I was addicted to it because that's yeah. how I got my confidence. It's a rush. It is such a rush. It is. You and get the so constant it. checking every few seconds, like what is my like? It's so toxic. Mm. But I do it. We all do it. We all do it. And it is. It is very addictive. But it's. It is very unhealthy. Um, and what was the question again? It was. Was that the sort of initial content you started to crave, or and did it develop over time, or was straight away were you in it just making sort of this type of very positive? So I was already in like my transition period. So I was already doing more stuff about mental health, but like the body image, the sex education and stuff wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more to do with mental health. Um, but then gradually over time, as my content developed on Instagram, I then started turning that into more positive content on TikTok as well. Okay. So it was kind of a, it was a very gradual evolution because I downloaded, downloaded TikTok like most people in lockdown because I was bored. Mm-hmm. I had nothing else to do. Um, and then gradually, it was during lockdown when I then started to focus more on body image and creating content that could make people feel better. Because again, from my own experiences with my own relationship with social media, I would consume a lot of content that would make me feel bad. Like I would only follow people that went like were at the gym all the time, and then I would look at that and go, "Well, I didn't go to the gym today, or I didn't like that, and now I look terrible, feel terrible." Um, it's awful. It's all just awful. It's all terrible. <laughs> Delete social media. Everything now. around me is burning. Yeah, that's is how it feels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I then decided to, on the flip side, then create content that would benefit people. So I wanted to be that something, something that pops up on your on your feed or your view page that you you could come away from that content feeling better about yourself and worse about yourself. Did you do like a purge when you sort of had this sort of switch? Did you purge the top of content you were almost consuming? I think. And was it different yeah. from TikTok and Instagram? Were they very different apps to you in terms of the content you were putting out and also receiving? Or was it sort of a style evolution? Start, yeah, it was growth. It was I growth. was in my growth era. <laughs> um, I think, no, I, I definitely had a purge. I went through everyone I was following on Instagram and made a conscious effort to only follow content that would uplift me and inspire me. Um, same with TikTok, but it was it wasn't as quick with TikTok because the most of the content you consume is for you page. Yeah. So most of the stuff I was looking at was being. Oh, no one understands. No one understands, no one but knows how to better than anyone it's else. Horrible. Like it's quite scary how well it knows me. Um, so I did have to kind of train the algorithm. <laughs> like, can you stop showing? No, no, no. Stop <laughs> showing me these men. You'll make me feel worse. And then excuse me. Yeah. She had a telling off, and then gradually. Um, we had a word. Actually, yeah, that content kind of left, and now all the content I see is what I do really, mm. um, which is really nice because it helps me like feel uplifted whenever I go on my phone. Ish. Do you I, still do you still enjoy it, or does it still at times has it sort of begin to feel like a job? Perfect. Is it different? Yeah, it's very like recently I have been really struggling. Um, I made a decision recently to make social media strictly work for myself. So I don't, like now, obviously I have industry contacts and people that do similar things to me that are also friends, but I made the decision to it only be industry contacts. So if you're a friend as well, cool, but now I don't follow anyone that's like personal relationships, anything, because I would get distracted and I would end up scrolling through stories. And if I'm on my phone all day for work, yeah. and I'm like, what am I gonna do in my downtime? Oh, I'll go back on my phone. And then I'm looking what everyone else is doing. But also I guess it's that whole thing, like everyone always talks about healthy work-life balance all the time. 
but when your work is your phone and then your downtime is your phone, where yeah. is the line drawn? See, that's what I'm going to do. I'm currently setting up my work phone. So then I, because social media now is strictly work on its own work connection, mm. I will then put all my social media out to my work phone. Mm. And then when I'm done working, my phone is off, it's in a drawer. And then my personal phone is like, so I can reply to my mum. <laughs> and I'm not like completely off the grid, but I can <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, actually you're still alive. You'll find out when you find out. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, so it is, having that work-life balance is really difficult because mm. my life is my work. Yeah. So trying to blur those lines is, is fun. It's sticky. Mm. How does that feel, almost? When, when you've got so many different media outlets trying to grab you for a thing, does it, does it feel like, is there like a coldness to it? Is it like, we've got our moment now, we're done, and then... No. I, I, things like this make me feel... Um, a lot more secure in my work because as a lot of people I really struggle with imposter syndrome like I will like even being here I'm like oh my god they have to invite it this is weird um, so yeah when people are like oh no we'd like to get your take on this can we talk to you about that it's, it's validating it's but it's like oh you do actually want to hear what I have to say um, so as stressful as it is and your girl does not handle pressure well I do not do well under stress as you've probably seen today um, but no I find it really validating and it's nice when people want to take the time to hear what I have to say. So you're not very stressed, you try and like surround yourself in a very serene, calming environment? My flat is like the most calming place, it's very natural for the plants, always cats. calming cats, calming music, it is so zen. I just need- A little boudoir. Yeah, it's lush. I feel so, like, I, it's constantly calm and it's exactly what I need. I don't think that's my, I like go, 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 like let's get it, with the Beyonce tickets, I like go, let's get it done, like, you saw me today, like, dripping with sweat. Like, I picked up this water bottle randomly. I think I've got a condom in my pocket that someone handed to me. Someone stuffed a cake in my mouth. It was crazy. But I think I love that. Love the chaos. Yeah, I love, love the, the chaos. chaos. I love, like, that's, this podcast has been very that this whole time. I just can't, I can't, I can't do chaos. I live in chaos, but I also can't handle it. But to be fair, I've survived. Like, <laughs> I've made it this I've far. I've made it this far. It is currently quarter past four, and I'm still standing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I do, I do love it. I'm, I'm very grateful for what I do. Um, it is just, it is a lot of work. And also, I guess, where do you see this going for you? And do you think there will be a time when you can go, this isn't for me anymore, and just stop? I mean, that's a really... Sorry, not to give you a complex. <laughs> no, that complex is already there. It's definitely something that um, recently has been crossing my mind. I'm like, am I cut out for this? Mm. Am I cut out for this industry? Because mm. the industry is very much who you know, who you're seen yeah. with. And it's, it can be quite toxic, and that's just, that's not me. I'm a very authentic person, so in an industry that isn't necessarily very authentic, I do not yeah. do very well. So it has definitely, I have recently, it's been in my head, I'm like, am I, like, is this? But is it sustainable? Can, yeah, can I keep up with this? Um, but long, I think long term, I want to get my work off of social media. I want to do more on like offline, offline stuff. I want to focus on podcasts, books, Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to do stuff that isn't centered around social media because currently I am, my main job is being an influencer, which, but, yeah. But it's your brand and not how then you can leverage that in other industries. I definitely look, I always look long term. I'm always looking to see what my next project can be and how I can sustain what I do. Because, yeah, it's, it's tough. So I just really negative. No, bad vibes, everyone. Bad vibes. No, but also like, I, I think also one, one question I do want to ask is, do you mind if I ask your age? 
I'm 24. 24, right. So when did you come out and like, did you go to uni? Like, what was that all like for you? And did you ever foresee any of this for you back then? Like, what would they say now to you? God. Um, I think I always kind of... That is a bad question. Yeah. Like, no, no, sorry. no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So I came out when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And I, when I finished school 18, I went straight to full-time work and was like, I can't do this, went to uni, and I did a media degree. So set me up perfectly for what I do now. Yeah. But I didn't actually think it was going to happen. Um, and I think the irony is, is that at one point I was really pushing to be this person on social media. I was like, this is really what I want. Um, and when I was in that, like, I really- So it, it, was, it, it, was, it was like a, you were aiming for this? Like, yeah, was, at one point I was fully aiming for it. And it was when I took a step back and I was like, you're doing all this for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like you are doing this because you want the attention, you want the validation, you like, you, you're, but yeah, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. When I then said, I'm not doing this anymore, and then shifted into doing something that was more authentic, that's when it took off. Okay. And by then, my relationship was much healthier with it, so it basically developed when I was in a better headspace. Because yeah. if it had taken off as the old me, mm. it probably would have been very tough. Like, I probably wouldn't be the person Audi- I think audiences sense that. Like, they sense the intent behind it. And I think with TikTok now, it's what, who are the, the biggest TikTokers, the people that are giving you like, organic, authentic, just being themselves. I know it's so like, easy to say, like, just being themselves. It's true that people want authenticity. Yeah. They want candid stuff. They don't want the, the filtered highlight reel that you get on Instagram. They want something that's genuine. They want something that is relatable. Mm-hmm. Whereas Instagram is more seen as something that you aspire to as opposed to, oh no, that is actually me. I, I relate to that. Do you have a cut off point of what you do share? No, not really. Is no. there boundaries? There is some boundaries. Like when it comes to my mental health, like I, t- I, t- I don't necessarily go into specifics with what I'm struggling with. Mm. I'll give like an overarching theme, but I won't go into like big details in my social life. Yeah. Um, because- And you're not going to identify it. Like you won't like do anything, you won't make your postcode or blood type away. Like, no, I won't get my postcode. I won't name names. <laughs> I, don't, I don't drop people in and stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I'll give an overarching theme. Cause that's just who I am. My work is me. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to share more. that. Um, which I, I pride myself on, but no, there are some things that I do tend to like keep back a little bit. I save some stuff for myself. No, as you should do. I don't. I don't even book here, guys. Nothing wrong with that. Commendable. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate that. Thanks, bro. It was really lovely having you. Such a lovely chat.